Hey everyone, welcome to MCU Fan Show, episode 272. My name is Sean Gerber. In a moment, I'll be joined by Paul Herman for our breakdown of the first trailer for Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 3. Now, before we start breaking things down and answering questions, the essential question, like, is Rocket gonna die? I wanna let you know about Fan Show Plus, where you can hear us talk about extra MCU topics like the latest footage from and the legacy of the Ant-Man franchise and what's coming up with Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania from the footage that was shown at Comic-Con Experience Brazil, uh, which is exactly where that Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 trailer debuted and then was provided to all of us online. So if you want to have access to Fan Show Plus, we're also going to talk about the Black Panther Wakanda Forever for your consideration Oscar campaign that Marvel Studios has launched. So if you want to check that out, go to patreon.com slash Sean Gerber or on Apple Podcasts, you can search for Fan Show Plus or the MCU Fan Show channel to find that podcast where you can subscribe and then start listening to those shows. And then, as always, make sure you're following us in those places you can. We are at MCU Fan Show on Instagram and Twitter. And if you're enjoying the show, we would greatly appreciate a rating and review from you over on Apple Podcasts. Thanks so much to everyone who has already taken the time to share their review. And now it's time to face the music. How you doing, Paul Herman? Are you emotionally prepared to talk about what we're going to have to discuss with this Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 trailer? I I think so. There's there's so much, uh, like you kind of said it before the show, little things in this trailer besides the big stuff they hint at in this. And there's, as much as I criticize and, and don't love Volume 2 as much as you do, Sean, Volume 1 will always be top tier Marvel for me. And I'll always have a fondness for these characters as you know before the movie came out i got really into the, the, the new team and the comic books and then the movie just really cemented those characters into the marvel universe forever and it's a special it's a special special time because i think guardians of the galaxy represent i think the aspect of marvel really tr- going into their own le- like into a realm of their that no one thought they ever could go into which was these characters that no one loved or no one really knew about and loved yet people meaning like the mainstream audience and then showing that these characters that we love as these comic book characters that all the, this niche audience you could say loves now it, you knew that people would like them because we like them because they're good characters and all you, all you need is someone like James Gunn a talent like James and he's a very good talent now mind you but just showing that these characters can can be accessible to mainstream audiences and, and loved if done right the right way and and I think this this trailer is the first sign of like that coming to a head in some ways, right? Obviously, with James Gunn's new DC job, et cetera, all that kind of is, is all you know made in the made obvious. But it just kind of seeing it on the screen yourself for me, and I know for you probably too, Sean. It just kind of hits you in the gut a little bit. Like this was a this was a good time. This was a, this was this, this represents to me to me anyway a big moment. For Marvel and what this team does and represents, and I don't know, it's just it's it, it's a bummer and it's also exciting because I I do want, want to see a, a finale of some sorts because it does feel like there is some kind of uh, remaining issues that he left in Volume Two, Infinity War. So you kind of you get to see a little bit of everything in this trailer and it's it hits you in the gut. It does, and it's probably the first time in a while. I mean, far, far, you know, No Way Home, you know, definitely hits me in the gut a lot too, a little bit. But this one kind of is a little bit different. It represents a, a kind of a time in my life where the MCU just is, was really coming alive for the first time, in my opinion, after Avengers. So, 
yeah, this is a this, it's gonna be a cool thing to break down today. I think you'd be hard pressed to overstate just how important the Guardians of the Galaxy franchise has been to the Marvel Cinematic Universe over the past uh, well eight years since the first movie came out, and I think that. Going back to when the first movie was announced in 2012, there were a couple of different schools of thought. I think the prevailing one at the time was people thinking, well, Marvel is just so confident because they got, they're fresh off of all that sweet Avengers cash that now they just think they can do anything and they're making the talking raccoon and talking tree movie. And I think the other way of looking at it, and that's why a lot of people thought, well, this is going to be Marvel's first flop. I didn't really see it quite that way. What I liked about it is I think it set a tone for Marvel Studios. And not to say that they hadn't already been doing it, but this was one of the biggest early signs of it going back into the earlier years of the Marvel Cinematic Universe where they weren't going to be complacent. They weren't going to rest on their laurels. They were still going to go out there and take big risks. And Guardians of the Galaxy was a big risk. But I think it's just that mentality that they've always had because... Now we think of Iron Man, Thor, Captain America as some of the biggest, most popular superheroes in the world. But what did everybody call them before phase one of the MCU? People were talking about Marvel Studios is going to build a universe off of the B list. And they turned that into the biggest thing ever at the time with the Avengers. And so I think that not that Avengers wasn't a popular name, popular brand or whatever for comic book fans, but as far as the general audience was concerned, not the most popular superhero team in the world, despite the historical significance in the comic books. And so I think where Marvel kind of, they achieve their goals with phase one and then with phase two, it's really just keep taking big swings, keep taking big risks and just believe in the characters. It doesn't matter how popular they already are or are not with the general audience or even the comic book going, the comic book loving audience because that's where Guardians of the Galaxy was very different. Even amongst a lot of comic book fans, they weren't exactly the most popular characters. And as we talked about in, uh, last week when we were talking about the holiday special, and as we talked about over time, I mean, even the iteration of the Guardians of the Galaxy that we have right now that we've had in these movies, it was based on a team-up, a lineup for Guardians of the Galaxy that only debuted in the comic books back in, what, 2008? In the Albert and Landmine run, and you can go back to last week's show where we talk about the Albert and Landmine reference for us as Andy Lanning and Dad, uh, Dan Abnett. Speaking of which, Blue Suits, Paul, we're going to get to that. Um, I just think with what Marvel has done and and taking that taking that run and just believing in that and then hiring a visionary like James Gunn who came in and, and really made it his own uh, in that very first film and it was a shot in the arm for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It brought, I think it brought in a totally different, it added to the mix of the MCU audience, because even people who weren't necessarily in love with the idea of superhero movies probably checked out Guardians of the Galaxy because they're like, that movie just looks cool, and it just looks a lot of fun yeah. based on the trailers. <clears throat> and then it not only was it as cool, fun, and funny as it looked in the trailers, it was also a whole lot more with the heart that was in that film. And it was huge. And look, look at what's happened with Guardians of the Galaxy. It A few years later, after the first movie, it was already a ride with Mission Breakout at Guardians of at uh, Disney California Adventure. Like, that's amazing that that happened. And there's already a second ride now 
with Cosmic Rewind in Epcot. Like, it is unbelievable the way the Guardians just transcended not just comic, not just comic books, but movies, and now they're just this huge entity within popular culture. And so much of that stems from that first film, and then, of course, how the story continued from there with Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, and then, of course, the characters appearing in Avengers Infinity War and Avengers Endgame. And it's just been so massive and so vital to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which is why I think this movie builds up to being such a massive event. And this isn't the way it was supposed to go down, right? If you go back to... Uh, James Gunn, of course, being fired back in summer of 2018. Like, this was a movie that we were supposed to originally get in 2020. And then we would have gotten it presumably in 2021 because of the pandemic. Now, instead, we're getting it in 2022. I don't like the way everything happened. Obviously, don't like the fact that James Gunn got fired. Uh, Certainly wouldn't want the, certainly could do without the pandemic, but... In any event, we're we're here now, and this movie coming out in 2023, four years after Avengers Endgame, I think it's actually added to, in its own way, yeah. again, you, you wouldn't want it to be this way, because you would certainly trade it to undo all of the other bad things that have happened, but with where we are now in this current situation, it adds to the event nature of this, the, the waiting of this. And I also think just the fact that this movie not come this movie having some distance from Avengers Endgame because Avengers Endgame was such a massive culmination and finale that maybe a year later would have been too soon for another massive culmination finale and now Guardians has some distance from that and really kind of gets to be a little bit off on its own to tell the conclusion of of its story and that's what James Gunn has said this movie it is the conclusion of his iteration of Guardians of the Galaxy. It is a finale. It doesn't mean that's the end for all of these characters, but this is the end of a story with these characters as we have come to know them over the past couple of films, and of course, as we will continue to get to know them over the course of this third film. And I I think it, it is just going to be this massive emotional event. And that's part of why I appreciate this trailer so much, is I think what it does such a fantastic job of is it encapsulates a lot of what we've loved about the Guardians over the years, what has made us enjoy these movies. There is, like, it It opens and closes with kind of the, the quirky Guardians humor that we're used to, but it also delivers the other stuff that maybe was unexpected the first time around, but isn't anymore. And so that's why I like that some of the, the heart, the sincerity, I, I love how earnest this trailer is in certain moments where, yeah, this is going to be funny and you're going to have a great time, but get ready because this is also going to be very, very emotional. So just be prepared for that. And I think we need that as an audience because I, I think we need to go into it with that mindset that, yeah, we're going to have a ton of fun like we always do with these characters But as I was talking about last week with the holiday special, you go into volume three, prepare to laugh your ass off and cry your eyes out, because I think that's the direction that this is heading. And not just because they're strongly hinting that a certain character um, may meet his end uh, in this one, which we will get to as we go on here. But I think this trailer really did a good job of illustrating everything we've loved about the Guardians over the years, while also just promising this incredibly thrilling and emotional adventure. So I I think this was a fantastic first trailer. 
Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I think this trailer, it surprised me how much it hit me, and, and which is, I, I don't know. And I think the holiday special definitely helped, I want to say soften the blow. It's not really what I'm trying to say, but volume two just was, again, I, and I don't plan on rewatching both the first uh, and the second movies, you know, coming up here, because I, I haven't seen the first one in a while, and I need to rewatch it again. And I, and I do need to try to really get into the headspace of volume two. I've seen it a handful, only two, three times, and just never resonated with me, but the holiday special really helped kind of get me back into the zone of guardians and James Gunn specifically. And then now that we're getting this trailer, I mean, it's just perfect timing. I mean, obviously very strategic, smart, because now I'm I'm Jones and for you know, I'm actually guardians. starting to wonder. I mean, you should definitely watch volume two again before volume three. But I'm actually starting to wonder if for you and maybe some others who don't love volume two quite as much as uh, as some of us like me. I kind of wonder if this movie might actually make people appreciate volume two even more because of everything that's probably going down with Rocket in volume three and you go back into the arc that he had in volume two. I, I think volume three has a way to kind of reach back and enhance volume yeah. two for folks. I, I I would really love to see not just your thoughts on volume two before you see volume three, but maybe a volume two rewatch after you see volume three. You know, and what I, you know, just kind of throw this out there for for you, Sean, and maybe the audience can tell, let us know if they like that idea. But we could also do a thing about with before Guardians doing like a revisit. And oh, I, re I think we, I, I was, you know, you and I are, are so on the same page; it's ridiculous. Yes. Like in my head, I was like, I, I think it's time to do some some updated Revis. commentary tracks for some Guardian stuff. Mm, or yeah, what, might whatever, be time. Yeah, something, yeah, it might be time because it's like I said because I I have not seen. There's a lot. I mean, there's I, my time. In my day is, is is so hard to come by. But to, to you know, if I have an excuse, you know, excuse to watch uh, these things and a reason, more of a, a legit reason to tell my my wife and my kid, like, we need to watch this Guardians film. And you know, and, and and the cool thing is, I showed Lulu the trailer today. You know, my daughter, and she she was it was she wasn't like, oh my gosh, but she was kind of huh, because it's not heavily with rocket stuff, right? But he's still there. Yeah, there is a baby rocket. So that's, uh, oh, oh, oh yeah. But, and so she, but I could tell she's like, huh? Like she wasn't bored. She was kind of like, Hmm, interesting. So I'm, you know, and she's getting older to where she's, she can, she understands things a little bit more and, and can connect to things. It's interesting. So we'll see. I mean, she can watch, a, you know, a movie for like a half hour and then she's, she's gone. But I mean, It'll be. I'll be interested to see if she, if she would like uh, Guardians because I think it's it's there's enough moving around and it doesn't really just, you know just meander, uh, doesn't just kind of sit down for a long time. It's it's very fast paced. I think she might be into that. So we'll see. But yeah, I I, I think a revisit for these for both films and just kind of reanalyzing whatever commentary or whatever would be an awesome idea. So I mean, yeah, in, I mean we honestly. did do uh we did do a Road to Infinity War, so we could certainly do some version and maybe it's not commentary tracks. I don't know. Maybe it's something else. But we will definitely yeah, do. Something and and hey, look, we're gonna need stuff to talk about because I don't know when we're getting the next Marvel Studios Disney Plus series. <laughs> like I, they didn't. Uh, that's one thing that didn't come out of Comic Con Experience Brazil. We got the premiere date for the Mandalorian season three on the Star Wars front, but we'll have to see when we get uh, another yeah. Marvel show. I think it's Secret Invasion is is going to be the next one up. So we'll see what happens uh, when we we get some dates. But yeah, there we'll still have plenty to talk about. Obviously, news. And uh, yeah, we'll 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 get ready for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two and, and Volume Three, and of course, Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantumania, because holy crap! But we're going to talk more about that Ooh. over on uh, over on Fan Show Plus. Uh, but suffice to say, I think 2023 really goes back to certainly not on quite the same level, but I, I think it's Marvel getting back into that. 
it is an event year for Marvel Studios between Quantum Mania and this movie for very different reasons, but these are both massive events as the first two Marvel movies that we are going to get to see in 2023. But let's start talking about the specifics of this trailer because that's how long-winded we are is we can go about 15, 16 minutes without even really discussing any of the specific shots in the trailer, uh, minus the one that I teased uh, a few minutes ago, and that is the Guardians of the Galaxy in blue suits. And my reaction to this was flipping out for myself, but also like, hell yeah, Paul's going to love this. And so, uh, because that these are the costumes from the Albert and Landmine run. When this team first came together in the comics, this is yeah. what they look like. And I love seeing those suits. I also just love seeing the Guardians here as a team in full uniform. And even the the lines from Peter Quill, like we've been gone for a while. And even times how the galaxy still needs its Guardians. And I think that's why they have the suits. And, and that's what they're doing is they're trying to provide, you know, they're trying to provide hope. They're trying to provide reassurance in the galaxy. And I know it goes awry in this first sequence where they're taking the new ship, which we know is called the Bowie, because we got our, our status updates in, in the holiday special last week, uh, including the Guardians hanging out on Nowhere. All of that clicks into place uh, after the holiday special that we saw last week. And so it very much looks like Earth, but then it's not. And, you know, Drax just does not understand how to play catch and turns it into dodgeball and just chucks the ball at that uh, at that poor kid getting right in the head. Uh, and then, of course, calamity ensues and, and everybody's hurling objects at each other's heads. Um, but that's what I, I talked about a, a few months ago with this trailer is I think it's it's that combination. Like it's this very earnest opening with this line from Peter Quill, followed by the absurdity that comes with the Guardians and their adventures, but they look better than ever in the blue suits. I'm like, okay, well, I, I'm in my head, not only am I like flipping out about this and thinking about how excited Paul's going to be uh, about this and, and looking forward to us talking about it, but I'm also dreading what's going to happen to my checking account because eventually Hot Toys is going to make a full lineup of these mm. Guardians in their blue suits, and mm. I don't know that I'm going to be able to resist that um, so that's going to be tough, but that's a good problem to have because, oh, man, those suits look great. So, you know, one of the things that I really love about franchise films is, of, of things that I love, like a Marvel ad adaptation, is the the, li the good liberties that people take with the pro with with the original stories and how they kind of mold it and have it just they kind of put a little more um, make it matter more. And what I mean by that is when you take the costumes that you see here that are look amazing, by the way. And you're right. Like I, when I realized, I'm like, Oh wait, those are the, Oh my God, those are the blue uniforms. What I love about it is that the, we all knew that the insignia was the ravager insignia from the first film that, 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 that mm -hmm. James Gunn used. What's cool about that is the progression to, from the first film to the third film, how it, the ravagers and that symbol, which we all, that I remember from the comic books. And again, it's kind of a throwaway kind of like, just, you know, a cost. So, you know, the, the artist from Marvel just kind of did it and James Gunn kind of took it and made it to the wrap, you know, kind of just twisted things around a little bit, whatever. What's cool is, is that now he's turned the, this Ravenger symbol that we, we saw that the, that, that was just more of an Easter egg. And then you know, a little bit of symbols on here, there on the Guardian stuff. So all of a sudden to this natural progression to what we see here, Sean, of the costumes, like now these uniforms they they're not, not they're not just this, the cool like version of the cool uh, adaptations from the comic books. They actually mean something because they have 
it, because they come from Peter Quill. Peter Quill, you know, grew up as a Ravenger. That's what he identifies as essentially. And he's turned that idea, that symbol now into the guardians. So he takes all that into a, the, that new cost. It's just, it's brilliant. I'm like, damn, like that totally is a great progression of character it's, through the costume. Yeah. It's also it's very brilliant. emotional because it's him honoring his father, Yondu. Exactly. And it's just like, damn. Also, like, it, is Yondu the reason why the costumes are blue? Or blue? See, and that's where I'm like, damn, bro. Like this is, this is. That's when you know that. And I'm not sure if it's a James Gunn thing. I don't care who it's is thing. That is a brilliant genius move, and I love how you make those things matter. I've talked a lot about that in the adaptations, and because I don't want one for one, and I love the little things that sometimes people do, because that's what comic uh, writers did all the time. They take little snippets where one writer would be like this kind of a throwaway thing, and then another writer takes it and turns it into a huge thing, and that's James Gunn here, ex extending that out from the comics to the movies, and made it uh, this whole costume progression, which the easy thing would be would be just to just do the, what the comics did and put those blue uniforms in right away. But that wasn't what happened. I'm not sure about was a. I'm not sure about what, why that was, but either way, I'm glad it didn't happen because it feels like a natural progression of, of an emotional character journey. And I don't think I'm reading too much into this. I think this is all a very, it's all there for a reason. And they look great. Um, yeah, I, I, I lost it. When I, when it, it took me a minute to go, wait a minute. I kind of shook my head. Those are the blue costumes. Like, it took me a second to kind of process it because I'm so used to the brown trench coat because I... Because I do like those costumes, like the original Guardians costumes, but I'm I'm a little more favorable to the the um, actual. I don't want to get too snooty here. The original uh, Annihilation Conquest comics that uh, Rocket, Rocket, Groot, and uh, Star Lord are all in from the uh, his miniseries that Keith uh, uh, Geifen uh, wrote. Those those costumes, like they're like silver and light blue. I love those things. Um, either way. I love the, either it's still the same things from the original comics. I love those things, and yeah, these costumes look great. And uh, I'm with you, Sean. I'd be very surprised if this, if if they're not very Yondu, because even the colors kind of scream Yondu. The red, it does. Yeah. yeah. It's, it, so that's a good call. I didn't think about that. Yeah, him. It it does feel like this is cho choosing that color because they're and using the Ravager symbol because they are kind of the Ravagers. They're almost their own Ravager faction at this point. And I know Gamora, by the way, based on the Comic Con footage and those descriptions. She's supposed to be leading a faction of Ravagers in this film, and she's in this trailer, but that's not really part of it. So again, there's I'm thankful that there seems to be a lot of elements of this movie that Marvel and James Gunn and everybody have kept out. Please keep it that way all the way up until the release of the movie. I know there's going to be at least one more trailer and, and maybe some other stuff, but like, please just keep a lid on this one, please. Uh, signed, you know, for to the Marvel marketing department slash Disney Studios and everybody, sincerely, MCU fan show. Because, yeah, I, I don't want them to spoil the crap out of this movie, as they have some of their recent releases, and, and hopefully they'll keep a lid on it. But suffice to say, like, I, I do think that, yeah, there is a bit of a honoring the Ravagers, but more specifically for Peter Quill, and also Kraglin as well, honoring Yondu with that symbol, but then the color of their costumes, that definitely feels like something that is there another way of them honoring Yondu and, and I, I think it's just it, it's so cool and and to your point yes it's great to just have a costume that looks like the comic books and it looks amazing on screen that generally is enough but when you can add an emotional layer to it if that's what's going on here it's that much better to to really have a reason for it and uh, not that you always need one costumes are cool and heroes wear costumes and then it's fine and it totally works but when you have a, a space where you can add a little something extra to it uh, to ground it emotionally all the better and I think that's what's going on here 
And there's just so much else that's uh, going on in this trailer that I think is more overtly emotional in, in the way that it is presented to us. But uh, as I mentioned, you know, the the baby rocket, I, I think we'll save rocket for his own section and just kind of consolidate all of the rocket stuff. But as we see baby rocket, it is uh, a voiceover from Mantis saying, don't forget where we came from. And, you know, the whole where we came from almost if she's taught if she's really talking to Peter Quill with that line. Uh, Certainly that plays on something else we learn with another major shift to the status quo that we got in the holiday special with uh, learning that Mantis is, in fact, Peter Quill's sister. Uh, But there's just a lot of cool stuff happening here. Like we mentioned the blue suits for the team uniform, but then when we get the multicolored spacesuits, which James Gunn has already shared, is inspired by 2001, uh, a space odyssey. Like it's just so cool to see that. And the Guardians kind of floating through space into whatever that like fleshy circular base is out in the middle of space. I'm sure that's probably where uh, most likely that's where high evolutionary is camping out or has something to do with the high evolutionary who we do get some shots of uh, in this trailer, but I'm there for those suits and obviously with Gamora uh, and she seems to be on her own track. And then as we progress through the trailer, we do see her uniting with the team but we do get a great, uh, a couple great wide shots that just kind of show the shift of the team. Like there is the shot on Nowhere that is Cosmo, Kraglin, Groot, Nebula carrying Peter Quill, Rocket, Drax, and Mantis. And then, of course, later there's a wide shot in the blue suits of Peter, Drax, Rocket, Gamora trailing behind them. But I think she is now with the team. She's just not in her own blue suit because they haven't had time to give her a uniform yet. Uh, Groot's there, Nebula's there, Mantis is there. There's also some little creature in there that's in the back of another shot. I can't tell who or what that little creature is, but he is floating around the Guardians quite a bit. So I'm guessing, but just out of focus. So I can't quite tell who or what that is, Um, but that will be part of it. But even that feel, even those wide shots with the Guardians feels very, it, it, it definitely feels like its own kind of homage and bringing things full circle from the first film. I mean, hilariously, there's the wide shot of them kind of becoming the Guardians as a team and in uniforms for the first time. Uh, before uh, they go to, uh, of course, Xandar and try to save Xandar from Ronan and the Power Stone. And all of that just... And, of course, the way that James Gunn just took the piss out of that shot uh, with, like, the Gamora yawn and and Rocket adjusting himself and all of that stuff. Like, I I just love that these... And and the way he does it again here, like, here's a a badass, you know, wide team lineup shot in this earlier one, and Nebula is carrying Peter Quill. I don't know if he got knocked out in battle... I don't know if he has just drank himself into a stupor because he misses Gamora so bad. I I don't know the reason for it, but I I love the way James Gunn takes like the badass heroic wide shot uh, and also just the way he undercuts it with uh, with just something silly. Uh, It's just it it just adds to it. And that's again, that's that's just a James Gunn type of touch. You know, I, I, you know, I stay away from spoilers and it. You talk about, you know, earlier, too, about the trailers. You know, I almost don't want to, like, you just don't want to know very much. And that's kind of with my thing with trailers right now is that I don't even need trailers. I mean, I'll be honest. Like, the only reason why I watch trailers is to break them down for for us here and for when I do a Star Wars stuff. Otherwise, like, the Indiana Jones trailer, I'm not watching it. And it's – I had no idea about Gamora. And I bring all that to say because I didn't know anything about Gamora. But the trailer does a good job – before, because you didn't tell us to uh, tell us to me before, Sean. When watching the trailer, did a good job of giving me an idea that she is off doing her own thing, and there is like this kind of separation from them, mm-hmm. and that she's kind of like figuring things out. Because again, 
going back to this multiverse saga, it, it is it does tie in the multiverse because she's a multiverse character now, right? So she I thought is, that was, yeah, she's, I, I, she's from another timeline. Timeline. So I thought that was really interesting thinking about that for a second. I'm like, man, that's uh, it's not overtly tied together necessarily, but it is kind of in that, it kind of fits that vein, right? So I thought that was kind of cool um, thinking about that way because I do like this idea that she's broken off from them because she's not the same person necessarily, but you're hinting at that. With, and that's why I love um, visual art is because you don't need words. You just have one pick one frame or for me as panels, I love sequential art, uh, just of her looking at the Polaroid and you assume that it's, it's, it's something that's, it is triggering something, uh, right. Triggers out, triggers out the right word. I, I mean, I, I, I got to guess it's a picture of the other her and Peter Quill, you know, yep. as she's trying to make sense of the fact that she was, in love with this guy that you know that she couldn't quite reconcile during the the yep. final battle in Endgame. Yeah, and I think th there's something there. I love the fact that um, the trailer chose some great shots to really kind of give you an impression, which is that's what trailer's job. But it gives me a really good sense without having to like because I, I avoid it so much. I'm like cool, like I'm I know exactly where they want me to know with Gamora. That's perfect. I'm not leave. It's not leaving me like where this is going. Um, you know so. Yeah, the Gamora stuff. I, I'm very intrigued. I, I've always loved Gamora. I've always, I thought that you know she was such a great character in that first um, that first uh, Guardians movie, and obviously probably one of the most uh, I'd say the most maybe the most important character in Infinity War, which is one of my favorite Marvel films. You know, and so like I love her in that movie. There's you know she has the short amount of time you know, Zoe is in that movie. She just she brings it, man. Like she I just, think, you know. yeah, I think Zoe Saldana's performance in Infinity War is one of the best performances in the entire MCU. Absolutely, yeah, bar none. And so I think with all that, it's nice to see that she's not being forgotten. Because in Endgame, it's it's not like she's bad or anything. It's just a different character, and it's just it's hard for me to connect to that version yeah. of Gamora. So it's cool to see that there we might get that where even though she's a different person, there's she's. At you know a different time of her life, maybe she's going to start connecting those emotions and connections because maybe yeah. it's not just to Peter though, maybe it's to the entire team, and that's why she's not there at all. So I think that it's so hopefully. I mean, I don't really care about the romance part of it. I mean, I care and I care. I don't care, but to me, I would love to see her connect to that whole team again. That'd be cool to see that that kind of play out in this movie as well. I think that is kind of a, an interesting question that this movie gets a chance to explore. Is right? Who really are you? You know, it's it's who you are just because of who you are internally versus what part of you is because of the sum total of your experiences. And and I think that one of the differences, I, I remember one of the questions that I used to get in Q and a shows talking about Avengers Endgame was how maybe for some, it felt kind of anticlimactic that I don't know how Endgame could feel anticlimactic, but in this specific way, for some, there was a question of, well, in the final battle, it was the Avengers versus Thanos, but it wasn't the Thanos that they fought in Avengers Infinity War. That's the one who, you know, Thor goes finally goes for the head in the in the early part of Avengers Endgame. And so that's why, you know, the they didn't feel the same emotional connection to that Thanos and wanting to see him being defeated. And it's, you know, same thing with Gamora. It's a different version of Gamora. And for Thanos, in, in that instance, I never really felt quite that way because in that question of who are you, 
I don't really think Thanos in 2014 is that different from Thanos in 2018 because we don't know of any massive emotional experience where something changed for him uh, at that point, other than, I guess, you know, sacrificing Gamora. But for the most part, his mission was the same. What he wanted was the same. His goal was the same. And that Thanos actually got to see what happened to himself later on. He got to watch his own death and and everything like that. Kind of like how Loki went through the experience of, even though Loki got plucked out of a different timeline and didn't live the life that we saw all the way up through Infinity War, he got to see the highlights of it. And so these the Marvel movies and shows now kind of cut, getting into this question of, of who really are you? And I, I think with Gamora, that's where it's different, right? And that's where she seems different as a character is when you pluck her out of the timeline in 2014, yes, at this point in her life, she has already made the decision that she doesn't want Thanos to succeed in getting the Infinity Stones. She wants to stop him from doing that. But boy, is there a lot that she missed because when she decided to do that, she decided to do that on her own. It had nothing to do with joining up with anybody else and becoming part of another family, not just, as you were saying, Paul, not just the romance with Peter Quill, but really having a family with Rocket and and not just Drax, but then think about everything she went through to reunite with Nebula in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. So there's a lot that this version of Gamora has missed. And, and so I, I think that's where the whole question of, of who really is she or who really are we, uh, I, and I don't know that there is some definitive answer to it, and I'm not saying it's this film's job or intention to provide to try and provide an answer to that. I think with those types of questions, as crazy and deep and heady as they are, I think all you can really do is explore them. And I think this movie is going to do that in its own way with Gamora. And I think Zoe Saldana is once again going to step up and knock it right out of the park. Because as you mentioned, you don't really feel that same connection to Gamora in Endgame, but how can you, right? Because it's not the same Gamora who you went, you saw go through all of those experiences. And I think that's where Zoe Saldana did a great job as an actor in the way she played it. Like, we're not connected to her in the same way, but she's not connected to us Absolutely. or, the, or yeah. the story in the same way. Like, she is outside of it at that point and trying to find her way in, trying to make sense of it. And I think that's still going to be part of her journey in this movie. Not that we get a ton of it, in this trailer, but we know based on her looking at the picture and whatever that picture is, and just based on her current circumstances, that's going to be one of the high points, I think, of this movie is the journey with Gamora. And what is the result of that? I, I don't necessarily think it needs to be, by the way, uh, a, a romance with Peter Quill. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't, but it's really about her finding her way back to that family. And and maybe the relationships will be a little bit different this time around. But I, I think at their core, a lot of them can be largely the same and, and finding family, embracing family like that was part of Gamora's journey. And now she had this version of Gamora has to do that um, in a very different way. And I think it's it's a very completely different setup for the circumstances where you're almost you're almost told this is how it's supposed to be for you. But it can be very hard for you to believe it and, and for you to feel it because you didn't really go through the day-to-day of experience, the day-to-day experiences of exactly how all of that came to be. So there's going to be a lot of really uh, interesting stuff with Gamora. At least I find it interesting. I think uh, I think most of you do as well. Um, let's. I, I know it's. I don't want to just save Rocket for the end. Let's t- while we're talking about the the fascinating journeys of some of these characters. Let's also talk about Rocket. And as Mantis has that line about remembering where we came from. 
we do see a hand, probably the high evolutionary's hand, reaching into uh, a cage with Baby Rocket. There's other animals, other creatures in there. Perhaps one of them is Lila the otter, who we see Rocket embracing in this trailer. I think that's... I don't know that there's going to be a romance between Rocket and Lila, or they're just, you know, people, they, they were just friends, you know, subject 89P13 for Rocket and whatever subject number was assigned to Lila. And I think we see that subject number being written in the trailer, but that's a reunion, right? And probably Rocket, who was bonding with whoever he could, you know, to endure all the hell that he was enduring that he's talked about before being pulled apart and put back together over and over and over again. We're going to see some of that with Rocket and we're going to see that trauma for that character. And it's certainly not like I I want to see harm being done to Rocket. Of of course I don't, but this is a part of the character's journey and acknowledging his past while working through it to have some conclusion to this era of his story or a conclusion to all of his story, uh, which we'll talk about. I, I think with Rocket, we're going to see some just incredibly emotional stuff. And I love that it comes from him because he has been... As silly, as funny, as, you know, as irreverent as any of the characters in this lineup, perhaps more so than anybody else in that Guardians of the Galaxy lineup. But he also has had these genuine moments, especially in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, where Yondu gets to confront Rocket for, you know, the way Rocket was pushing everybody away in advance of, you know, preemptively feeling like he could reject them before they reject him. And Yondu calling him out for that because that was Yondu. That's part of what made Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 so strong for me. And I love that that has been, that has informed Rocket's journey. And I think you see the differences in Rocket in Infinity War and Endgame, but then even more so here with him talking about how he's done running. But then we just see the way he's he's approaching this story, right? We'll all fly away together. um, And then one last time into the forever and beautiful sky. And as he's saying that, like there's a shot of him lying on the ground in some wreckage looking worse for wear. Um, And I don't, and certainly the trailer is providing hints that Rocket is not going to survive this movie, right? There is uh, a shot of, there's that line of, uh, you know, we'll all fly away together one last time into the forever and beautiful sky. There's a shot of him with like this all white background that looks very, very heavenly. Um, Another shot that made me think Rocket's not around anymore is there's a back there's a shot of Peter Quill and Groot just firing guns standing back to back. And the reason that stood out to me is normally Rocket's in that shot, whether it's Rocket in that shot with Groot in the kiln in the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie, or even if it's Rocket with Bucky in Avengers Infinity War and Bucky's like holding on to him. Like these are the types of that's the type of shot that Rocket is normally in and he's not. So I don't know if that means that Rocket has died at this point in the movie, or maybe it's when they're on a mission to save Rocket, and that's why Rocket isn't in that particular shot. But then, of course, we get a delivery of Groot saying, we are Groot, which is really harkens back to that. When did we hear that line? When the original Groot from the first movie sacrificed himself to save the rest of the team. And there are multiple crying shots, right? There, there's Peter being very emotional, uh, looking down at someone or something, and maybe that's Rocket. Mantis is also crying in, in a different shot that almost looks like it could be the same scene as the one where we see Peter. And it doesn't mean that it's Rocket is, is the one that they're looking at, but it certainly could be. The trailer, I, I think, is just about going out of its way to uh, emotionally prepare us for Rocket passing away. I don't know that that's what's going to happen in the movie, and you could certainly argue that 
well, if this trailer is hinting at it so strongly, and I do think it's pretty strong, that almost makes me think, no, it's it's not going to happen. Um, it's going to be something else, and, and we're going to be surprised in, in some way, and hopefully in a way that we really like and really respond to. And certainly I'm not rooting for uh, Rocket to die in this movie. I'm also, by the way, not against it as a story choice, because I, I don't think... I'll, I'll talk more in a minute. I want to let you weigh in, Paul. I'll talk more in a minute about some of the hints of maybe why Rocket would die in this movie. Uh, I'll save that for a moment, but it's real. the real thing for me is it's about his journey in this movie. It's not so much whether or not the, the destination is you know him alive or dead at, at the end of this movie. It's, it's about what he goes through um, and what we get to learn about this character that that we've loved for so many years now in the MCU. So it really is more about the journey than the destination. But obviously, a lot of people are, are very worried about what exactly that destination is. Yeah. Before I, I have a lot to talk about that. Before I do, uh, we we are going to talk about the high evolutionary for a second at one point, correct? Oh yes. And once we get okay, through right. Rocket, we're gonna we're gonna run down some of the other stuff from the trailer. All right. Cool. So I just want to make sure um, for the Rocket stuff. It's loaded, man. So I have some predictions. I'm going to throw this out here right now. First thing I'm going to put on the call as a receipt. Groot is going to say one word that's not I am Groot. And it's going to be rocket. That would be amazing. Mark, that mark it down. It's going to happen. It is going to happen. If at one point it's going to be what I don't. And also, I don't think rocket's going to die. But I think Groot will say Rocket. He'll say he'll. I I think it's gonna. I'm I'm ninety percent sure it's gonna be Rocket. Like when he's like gonna die or something like that, it's gonna really tug at the heartstrings because you can only do it once. And if there's one person that Groot would break that cycle, it's gonna be Rocket. It has to be. So I'm gonna call right now. He's gonna say his name, and so and everyone's gonna lose their minds. So there's that. I don't think Rocket's gonna die. And Groot can't really die as long as you say, as long as he, as long as he doesn't get incinerated. No, you know? he dies. Like, I mean, it's just it's you get a different Groot. Like as James Gunn said, the, yeah, the right, version right, of but, Groot from Volume One is dead. This is a different person. Regardless, you get what I'm saying. It's yeah. not you. Can, you can just recycle the character over and over again. As far as well, you know, uh, yeah, we've already had a Groot sacrifice himself in this trilogy. Right. So yeah, I I, I think I, Groot, I think Groot's pretty safe. Yeah, so I don't think the reason why I'm saying all that is that he's safe because he's a CG character. He can just live forever, kind of a thing, right? I think Rocket, even though I don't think Bradley Cooper may not want to do Rocket's voice forever, but I mean, it's like voice acting. I mean, it's, it's why like, wouldn't he want to? He's getting exactly. paid big bucks for you know a few hours of work. I mean, it's probably more yeah. than a few hours, but relative to actually having acting. to be on set and, and and acting out as a character, yeah, yeah it's a uh, it's a nice gig. I I just don't. I just don't see two very marketable that don't age in real time characters that you could that That's are just good point. sell merchandise. Just they ain't, ain't going to kill them all. I just I'd be shocked. But I think did. I don't think that Kevin Feige would come in and even even the folks at Disney like I, I just I don't think they would step in and say you're not allowed to kill this character. Like I don't think they would say that to James Gunn. And by the way, after they fired James Gunn and they wanted to rehire him, he could have made sure if he didn't already have it, like I get to do what I want in this movie. And like, so if I say, if I say I I want, you know, for my story, the best version of this is is one in which Rocket dies, then he was going to get to do it. And, And I don't think he would have had to do the hard negotiation, by the way. Like, I don't think anybody would have really gotten in his way 
because he is a massive, I mean, he is the, the creative engine behind this. And it's not to say that it's all him. You know, Nicole Perlman co-wrote the first movie and she was the one who, as she was developed, working on it in development, brought in this lineup of Guardians of the Galaxy and obviously Kevin Feige and everybody else at, at Marvel Studios. They've, you know, everybody who's played a part in shaping this franchise creatively and, and bringing it to us as an audience. So it's not James Gunn getting sole credit, but at the same time, Obviously, he's getting a major portion of this as the creative engine, and I think out of respect for that, I think everybody would have given him the space to really do what he wanted to do. It's just the question of what story choice did he make? And and I I do think that with this being the final, as he said, you know, the finale of his iteration of the Guardians of the Galaxy, I don't think that everybody survives this film. Now, everybody could. Like I think just because it's a finale doesn't mean someone has to die. Like there are other ways to have endings for a a story that, and where the story for those characters can eventually continue in a different way and in a different place. So there are ways to do that and it doesn't have to mean death, but obviously that is one of the options that's on the table. If it's not Rocket, I mean, just to throw out an alternative, I I think you got to look at Drax as a character who could possibly not make it. I mean, Dave Bautista has spoken very publicly about this probably being the end for him as Drax. He wants to do this with James Gunn, and so if James Gunn is done with Volume 3, then that means Dave Bautista is done with Drax. So if that's a case where you do have an actor who is expressing that. Now, if Marvel Studios you know, was backing up the Brinks truck and saying, hey, Dave, come play Drax in your own Disney Plus series, he's probably going to do it. I know he said, I think he even said at one point he'd rather have a movie than a Disney Plus series, but... Money's money, man, uh, and creative, and it, you can still yeah. be one, and it's not just about the money to be so cynical about it. You can also be won over with a creative pitch. So it's not a given that any character is going to die. I, Drax, though, certainly is uh, a possibility and is totally the type of character. I mean, all of these are, char- are hero characters who would make a potential sacrifice play. Um, Nebula is a character I just, who, I, I, I do hope Nebula survives, and I kind of... I, I still want Nebula to get her own Disney Plus series. Even better if it could be a Nebula and Gamora team-up Disney Plus yeah. series coming out of this movie. That would be something that would be awesome. But yeah, I, I don't think I don't think everybody's going to make it. And I think top of my list for the character who makes the sacrifice play that that maybe they don't survive. It's it's Rocket or Drax in my book. I think I think I honestly think Chris Pratt could could go. Um, to be honest, I think fair. like he I think he very much because. The one thing I keep going back to is the, the these actors age in real time. If you're not wearing makeup and you can kind of disguise it, it's hard to recast. And it feels like yeah, but he's he's not that old. No, no, he's not. But what I'm saying is though, with, with the with this being the finale, it and, and there's the one thing that people are are not you know people forget about is that the Guardians could move on after this film. And, you know, James Gunn's is, it's not like he's the only one that can do Guardians of the Galaxy. Guardians of the Galaxy can be different incarnations. That's the kind of the brilliance of the comic books and the kit and all everything is that you can really interchange and do different things. I mean, right now there's been like a zillion Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh yeah. The the Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. Over the past several years has basically be, it really has become space Avengers with the way the the roster has fluctuated. Unfortunately, in my opinion, yeah. yeah, and like uh, I know Danny Cates did for, like yeah. Sometimes for better, sometimes for worse. Yeah, and and but I say all that to say that's why that's why I think you could sacrifice a Chris Pratt, Star Lord, Gamora, Drax. I to me the people I think are are more likely to go are pro- is definitely I think Drax is one hundred percent gone. 
Um, and I think that because because I think his arc is kind of without, you know, having, Than you know, he tried to kill Thanos and, you know, and that's been gone. So he's kind of been he's kind of gone through his cycle. So it feels like he's kind of he's he's a good person to kind of. He's just like, I don't know. He just seems like a, a perfect kind of setup for the sacrifice play because that's his family now, right? And now he can, you know, he talked about joining his, you know, his daughter and his and his wife, uh, in in the previous films. So now that he's got this new family, it'd be it'd be only fitting for him to kind of make that full circle. Uh, Pete kind of feels it that same way. Uh, Gamora already died, maybe, probably not. Um, yeah, I don't think I think Nebula's safe because I think Nebula is a character that can move on from past this I, film. I also think Nebula hasn't been explored enough yet, and I yeah. think that's where. But these are all the things that these are all the ideas that are in our heads of of why, and some of these are are just cynical based on who the actor is and and how much they get paid and all of that stuff. I don't actually sure. think any of those things really mattered. It, it really is just the impossible task of getting into James Gunn's head and figuring out what exactly he would have wanted to do and what he would have believed was the best version of this story. But there are reasons why I am going to take the hint with this trailer, even if it may prove to not be what it, what it looks like as it pertains to rocket. There are other reasons besides this story that besides this trailer that have me emotionally preparing myself for the possibility that this might be the yeah. last MCU story in which we see Rocket, not accounting for, as we know, alternate timelines, variants, yada, yada, yada. But yeah, yeah. Um, for this version, MCU 616 Rocket, and why this could be the last time with him, besides what this trailer is is hinting at, I mean, there is the whole idea of, for, uh, of full circle, the arc that this character has been on, I mean, all of these characters have been on various versions of the, the well, not maybe not all of them, but the the selfish character who has learned to embrace friendship, family, connection, and they've all proven that they're willing to risk their lives, sacrifice themselves to save other members of the team, save the galaxy, the universe, whatever it is. All of them have proven that. So nobody has to prove at this point, I don't think anyway, their willingness to sacrifice themselves. It's just what the situation uh, it ultimately calls for based on the story that, that James Gunn has created for this. And so if I'm just looking at some of the things James Gunn has said over the years as it pertains to Rocket, like James Gunn, this is the finale of his iteration of the Guardians of the Galaxy. We already know the prospects of James Gunn doing future Marvel projects doesn't look good. He's going to be very busy with a full-time job now running things with Peter Safran over at DC Studios. So this really does feel like it's it, minus maybe the additional holiday special that Rocket hinted at in the post credit scene in the holiday the first holiday special last week. Maybe there's going to be something for that, but maybe not. As far as movies go, this really does look like it for James Gunn. And so with this being the finale of his iteration of the Guardians of the Galaxy, over the years, I mean, James Gunn has been very generous on social media with fan Q&As and stuff like that. And it's something I've always appreciated about him as a filmmaker to give fans access to him and that ability to interact and just be able to ask questions and get honest answers from him. And he's been asked anytime that the one of the more frequently asked questions is which of the Guardians, Guardians of the Galaxy characters he relates to the most. And he's always said Rocket, that Rocket is the character. And I, I think he's even acknowledged the a lot of the parallels, the very strong similarities in, in the arc that he gave Rocket in those first two films, especially what we saw play out in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 
and what James Gunn has experienced and gone through emotionally in in his own life. And so that's the character he's related to the most. And so for this to be James Gunn's finale in the MCU, it would be fitting if this was also Rocket's finale in the MCU. And and that's not my way of saying, well, James Gunn, it's a, it, it's a, it's a, a selfish decision of, oh, well, I, I'm done in the MCU, so Rocket's too, and nobody else can have him. It's not about that. I, I think it is just about this very potentially powerful emotional story and the journey that we've been on with this character. And, and if it comes to an end here, I think there are a lot of ways for that to be very fitting and, of course, emotionally powerful and moving and getting back into less about what James Gunn has said on social media and more about what he said about the stories that he's told. We talked about the the potential Yondu influence on the suits and that maybe that's why they're blue. But even Rocket saying that line will fly away together one last time into the forever and beautiful sky. That line, as well as the shot of Rocket with kind of the white, heavenly, almost afterlife background, and I don't know that that's exactly what that is. It could be something totally different. But what it made me think about was the end of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 and Yondu's funeral. And remember when Yandu was being cremated, and as we saw it coming out of the ship, it turned into the shape of an arrow. And who do we see observing that? Rocket. And he's moved to tears by that sight. And I think we know emotionally, just based on what you see, obviously Rocket is emotionally moved by that. Everything that he, the way he connected with Yandu over the, cor- over the course of that story but there's also more that James Gunn explained about it. I don't remember if this is in the Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 commentary or if it was in an interview or a tweet or, or something from James Gunn. But he also did mention how for Rocket, yes, it was the emotional connection for everything that he bonded with Yondu in that story. But it was also what Yondu was showing him, like the whole idea of, you know, there's something happening there, right? It, it can't just be coincidence that this dust of Yandu has per- and all this light has perfectly formed into the shape of an arrow that for Rocket, it was almost seeing this as a, a promise from Yandu, a way of Yandu reaching back and, and showing Rocket that there was something after this life. So when Rocket is talking about flying away together one last time into the forever and beautiful sky. Yandu is the one who showed him that there is a forever and beautiful sky. And so just that line and that visual at the end of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 does have me thinking about this beautiful end for Rocket if he were to die in this movie. So that's where in the storytelling, it can be absolutely beautiful for something like that to happen as sad and heartbreaking as it would be. And that's not a prediction that, yes, it's definitely going to happen. I do not know. But these are just the types of things that James Gunn has included in the story, the types of things he said about these characters and their experience that lead me to believe that, yeah, maybe this will be it for Rocket. But as I was saying before, it's not really about that destination. Is this it for Rocket? I don't know. But whatever it is, at the by the end of this film, I, I think the journey that we go on with Rocket during it is going to be deep and emotionally fulfilling in ways that are are just as good as what we saw in the first two movies and perhaps so much more just based on all of the potential that I'm seeing here. So uh, this is going to be, I mean, it's an ensemble movie, but when, we, when you isolate certain characters within it, we've already talked about the highlights for Gamora and here we are with Rocket. And there's other characters here too. I think we're going to get great stuff from Nebula, from Star-Lord, from Drax, from everybody in this movie. 
But yeah, you can certainly see how emotionally Gamora and in in perhaps the biggest way, even Rocket to uh, to really drive this movie. And I'm just here for it. I I think it's going to be incredibly fascinating. And and so I think it's going to be pretty powerful with what happens with Rocket in this movie. Yeah, I I I think Rocket is definitely going to be the the soul of this film. And as we know that the protagonist or the antagonist, excuse me, is is tied to him, his origins. You know, and one of the I one of the things I always go back to um, and think about one of the best moments um, in Guardians Volume One is when uh, they're in jail together, and how when Rocket takes off his shirt, you know, uh, yep. Peter sees like the you know how he's been modified and how he's not just you know just a normal walking you know alien raccoon that, which I'll we'll get to that here in a second too when we talk about uh, high evolutionary. Um, it's just interesting to see what he's gone through and just kind of the visual storytelling of that is, was really interesting and kind of it just it's going to be that on steroids, basically, I think, in this movie, which is going to be a gut punch and, and hard, I think, to, you know, hard to kind of watch. And you talked about James Gunn really connecting to Rocket the most. I wonder if there's going to be a lot of personal stuff he puts in here, of you know, because one of the things I think that James Gunn's James Gunn represents is, I think whether you like him or not, when, when the whole thing happened with him getting fired and whatnot, you know, the, you know, redemption of people learning, you know, growing and things like that. And I think that, I wonder if that will happen with rocket in this movie one way or another. And I, cause I think that's important for us as a, as a society, to be honest, to really accept and, and know and learn from our mistakes and, and, re, you know, and, and forgiveness and things like that. And so I wonder if that is going to be a play a part in this a little bit, because uh, to me, I, that's a big part of, of James Gunn's, I think, uh, professional career, I think, as far as, you know, that rep- that part of his life, because after that, he made a great movie, Su- The Suicide Squad, which I freaking love. And, you know, and now he's going to make, vol- you know, The Holiday Special in Volume 3, and and now he's the president of running DC, you know, film creative, you know, multimedia creative, you know, essentially. And so I just, I I'm, I'm wonder if that, you know, because he puts a lot of himself into, you know, his a lot of human aspects in his stories that I think that are personal to him. And he's talked about that um, a little bit here and there in his films. And I'm wondering if, if volume three will have that reflected in rocket himself or in another character. But I do, if, if not with rocket, I think that I would not be shocked and I'm, I'm putting money on it. The fact that I think that those aspects will be definitely be in this movie in somewhere, uh, somewhere in there. So, uh, absolutely. I, I, I think, you know. I think you're dead on with that. Cause I, I think even that line from Peter Quill, like we've been gone for a while, James Gunn was gone for a while. He, he mm-hmm. was gone from Marvel for a while. Now, not not that long, really. I mean, he got fired in July. In, in July of 2018, he was actually back. We didn't know about it yet, just a few months later. But then, you know, it didn't become official until, I think, March-ish of 2019. But regardless, he had already had his deals to go do uh, the Suicide Squad. And, of course, he did Peacemaker. I love Peacemaker. Peacemaker's so good. And so go watch Peacemaker on HBO Max if you haven't already. It's just, it's terrific. But um, I, I think that with James Gunn and, and the Guardians, like, yeah, he kind of was gone from Marvel for a while. Now, for him, it wasn't as long as it's been for us, right? Because he's been part of the making of this and, and shooting all of it. But for us, yeah, when we sit down and outside of the holiday special, right, when we sit down and watch the Guardians, it will have been four years since we've seen them, minus the holiday special, which is almost the length of time of the blip, which was five years. So, and, and I think for James Gunn is that, and he's talked about that experience and, and of course being let go from the film and then having a chance to come back and, you know, the introspection that, that he went through during that time period. And I, I think it's, it's not just about 
I don't even know that it's so much about redemption in the eyes of others. I, maybe it's more about forgiving yourself for mistakes that you've made in the past. And, and it's not to say, oh, you know, just learn to forgive yourself, even if you've done terrible stuff. It's a, but that is part of the journey um, as a person is like as you learn and as you grow that, yes, you need to learn from your mistakes and, and not repeat them. Also, at the same time, though, you do have to give yourself some grace. And I, and I think maybe that's part of there is a lot of self-hatred with the character of Rocket, and I don't think that he's fully exercised all of that in uh, in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. It's a pivotal moment for him uh, emotionally in that movie, but at the same time, I, I think there's still more, for, more growth for him that we will see um, in this movie. And yes, that feeds into ideas like uh, redemption, forgiveness, and including forgiving yourself. So I, I think that's a, that is a great point, Paul. There's just... This story, I think, is going to be so emotionally rich. Um, if you if you haven't gotten if if we haven't gotten that point across over the past hour, then yeah. boy, we we suck at this. Um, yeah. Maybe we suck anyway. I don't know. But uh, there, there's other stuff uh, that we want to that we want to talk about. Uh, let's talk about high evolutionary. We don't see a ton of uh, Chikuri Awuji from Peacemaker in uh, guard in this volume three trailer as the high evolutionary, but we see it's really more evidence of his work, like. Of course, we see Rocket as a baby. We see you know, you know, the hand reaching in, probably the high evolutionary, if not somebody working for the high evolutionary. And you know, even some of uh, some of what you know, some of the things that I've seen is the, the speculation that maybe that first planet that we see the Guardians uh, visit in this trailer, maybe that has something to do with the uh, that has something to do with the the high evolutionary. And even Rocket himself, like that's what we just saw him in the holiday special once again getting upset at being called a raccoon because that's not what he believes or knows that he is. Is he originally a, a raccoon that a baby raccoon that was taken from Earth, or is he something else? I don't know. Regardless of how he started, he was something else, and he is, you know, ain't no thing like him except him uh, with Rocket. And so that will be part of this with the high evolutionary. But it also seems like maybe Gamora could be targeting him. There's that shot of her with like her blade and. I don't know if she's trying to go after the high evolutionary at that moment or maybe someone or something else. But there's also the shot of the Guardians inside what kind of looks like some sort of prison or institution. They're wearing prison jumpsuit, uh, prison-esque jumpsuits. Kind of reminds me of their their yellow attire in the kiln way back in, in the first movie. So maybe that's them being captured by the high evolutionary at some point. I'm, I'm not really sure. But I, I think, or maybe that's the jumpsuits they wore inside their multicolored spacesuits. Per, uh, perhaps that's what it is. But the high evolutionary, I, I don't know exactly what his goal, what his, uh, what his aspirations are in, in this movie. I'm glad I don't. I don't need to know a lot about the plot uh, of this. But I, I think what does come across is the presence that Shakuri Awuji pr- uh, provides with this character. And then the possibility with this character. I mean... Uh, Paul, of course, I know you'll have plenty to say uh, about this, but I think having this be a villain that that really has a strong emotional connection with the trauma that we presume he has put Rocket through, it, it's a tough task to have a, a villain enter the equation in the third film of a trilogy and and have them have us really care about them to the point where it's satisfying to see them be really satisfying to see them be defeated. Uh, presumably, I, I don't think the high evolutionary is going to win in this movie. Ultimately, but you have to care and, and uh, wanting to see your heroes 
uh, prevail in a battle against this villain. And, and the more you care, the, the better and the more satisfying that it's ultimately going to be. And I think it's going to work in this movie without knowing the plot of it. I think it's going to work for two reasons. One is Shakuti Awuji and how great of an actor he is and the presence that he, he is providing, whether he's strolling through the crowd in Hall H at San Diego Comic-Con or he's right here as we see on screen. But I also just think the way the story connects this all the way to the beginning, earlier than we even met Rocket, but going back to the beginning of his uh, story and having it uh, so strongly emotionally connected to Rocket and his journey that that we've witnessed and, and cared so much about, all of that is what I think is going to allow the high evolutionary to really resonate as an antagonist in this one. You know, I I have a couple things. Um, first of all, I think that scene we see in the trailer is the end of the movie. Um which one? That the the when they go they go on that planet, that's mm. the end of the movie. I think that they're trying to infil, infiltrate high evolutionary, and all those things are definitely creatures for, or that he created, and that 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 is you know for for me that's it that's it. Uh, it all make it all lines up because they're all in the. You look at the trailer. It just in the some in the in the shots they have, there's there it definitely feels that there's like there's like a bit there's a big thing there, and it doesn't feel like it's a, it's a beginning of a movie. Um, and some of the shots they have, because even the shot when you know Rocket says I'm through running, he's wearing the same outfit, and it's like hmm, it just it just feels to me like this is the end of the movie. Um, and it, it make also because they infiltrate, you know, and this is because one thing that High Evolutionary does, we talked a lot about on Wandavision. That he kind of is, he's he's not really a fighter. He's powerful, but he's just kind of more of like he wants to observe and and create and see how things work. And then like you know that's why he's a high evolutionary. He wants to you know evolution. Yeah, I mean, he's he's a evolutionized. Yeah, yeah, he's a, he's a evolutionized everything. I mean, for those who don't know, he's got a weird Spider Woman uh, connection. If that makes any sense, um, yeah. you know. And we and so, I think we see the evidence of the experimentation side. Like there's, I think. Maybe the most disturbing shot of the trailer for me was the scalpel with like the drop of blood coming off of it because it made me think this is, you know, part of Rocket being pulled yeah. back, pulled apart and put back together. But yeah, this is a this is a very yeah, it's it's not I, I feel like to that point, though, as you were saying about the physical intimidation factor, he can create a lot of imposing creatures yeah. that, you know, get in the way of the Guardians, including there's that obelisk creature like the one the Guardians took out in Volume 2. There's another one of those uh, in this trailer. So, yeah, like he's got plenty of, you know, monsters that he can create to to do his bidding. So it's not necessarily the physical fight with him. Not not to say it couldn't be, though. Well, he's and again, he's powerful, too, like physically. And yeah. so it's not like he's just like, you know, I'm a meager scientist. Like he's not like that. It's he's 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 a big hitter. I mean, that's the one thing about High Evolutionary is that. He's not one to like get into big cosmic fights. So he's just kind of he's he's not like the watcher, but he's kind of like that a little bit. Um, where he just kind of observes more than anything. Now, I just got I just gotta tell you, we saw the the costume at, at Comic Con. I do not like this costume at all. It, I, I think the actor's phenomenal. He's great in Peacemaker. I get it. You want to keep his face there, but like without the mask and with the costume overall, I'm like I'm not feeling it, man. Like I'm just I do not feel this version and I'll, it may change if i see it in person and see it move and see his you know i'm sure the characterization will be great um i don't really doubt either the actor or james gunn in that aspect but i just i'm really underwhelmed by the costume I, if you look at the co the comic books 
I love the high evolutionary costume. It's very unique looking. Um, it's just, I don't know. I love it. I just, I just don't like, it just looks way too, I don't know. I honestly, he looks like Ivan ooze without having like the full purple, like makeup. Like even like, he, he looks more like Ivan ooze in apocalypse to me. Oh, and uh, there, there we're going me. to disagree. I, at this point, it just it just does not look good to me, and I'm I'm really disappointed that. And maybe we'll get some kind of battle armor, which that would make sense because because you don't see his full face um, uh, uh, covered, but but like his half his face is. Maybe he does that when he when he has to get down, which I'm maybe that's maybe that's uh, which I'm praying for because again I I I want people to know there I'm a little bit biased in general, but also. High evolutionary. When I was when I got really into comics, when my brother and I got really into comics in the late '80s, there was a big annual crossover called the Evolutionary War, and that was like my brother had majority of those comic books, and so and I had no idea what the hell is going on in them half the time, but I loved the High Evolutionary and I loved the way he looked, and I honestly, I I, I do credit a lot of those my, my love of comic books for those through those years. And High Evolutionary looked amazing. And I just was gravitated towards the look of this character. And I just, and again, it doesn't have to be one for one, but I just, it's just very disappointing the, the direction they took this version of this, this version of the design design at this point. So I'm holding out for a, a more like just kind of a cool looking, like kind of mask thing. But again, that's just my personal preference. The actor is going to be great. I have no doubt of the actor. He's phenomenal in Peacemaker. I trust James Gunn's um, and his who he puts in there for these roles because he's not really missed really once. So, but yeah, that's I'm still not feeling it, and I am a little bit kind of eh. But yeah, all that stuff in the trailer that's all at the very end of the movie, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, I could see it being the end of the movie. I could also just as easily see it the beginning of the movie of where they discover that the high evolutionary is up to something, and that becomes the the emotional launch point for Rocket to go back into you know everything that he's. When he even says, like, I'm done running, maybe this is what inspires him to stop running. Like, he has been running away from this and not going back and confronting this, and and perhaps that visit leads them to that. Or, as you said, yeah, this could be end of the movie. I have no idea where all these scenes are, are going to be placed in, in the overall sequence of the movie. But I think, as far as the costume goes, it definitely looks, as I said, it would, like, because I think you and I were reacting to it in the Comic-Con show when we were looking at various pictures or videos that people had shared, like... I, under the the lights of Hall H, that's not uh, that's not how it was going to look. It's about how it looks when it's actually lit properly on set. And I thought it looked fine at Comic Con. I think it looks better here. I don't love the costume, but I don't dislike it either. It's just it's fine for me, and, and it really is more about the actor. But yeah, it'd be even better if the costume were awesome. And and maybe we will see, you know, a mask that comes down or or some sort, you know, as you said, like a battle suit type of upgrade or enhancements that that come out of the suit um, or in a, a different suit or whatever it may be as uh, as the movie goes on. And I'd be fine with that. But if this is it, you know, it, it won't be it won't go down as one of my favorite villain costumes in the MCU, but it wouldn't necessarily go down as one of my least favorite either. I I it's fine. I, I'm, I'm good with it. Um, there's a couple other things that, uh, of course, are part of this trailer. You know, I, I mentioned the uh, I mentioned the team up shots and and I, I think and even volume two had a team up shot. So these wide shots of all the guardians and it looks like a couple different versions of it here. I just like that James Gunn is keeping some of those visual those visual notes consistent from one film to the next. I, I think that's just a really a really nice touch. And then let's let's go ahead and let's talk about Adam Warlock because we don't really 
he's just kind of, as played by Will Poulter, like he's just kind of thrown into this trailer, right? Like we don't see how he connects to the overall plot. We see him in a fight with Nebula, but what exactly is that about? Who knows? I mean, we know that the, he was being created by Aisha, the high priestess Aisha, the sovereign. I don't know that she still really has that rank based on the way things were looking for her at the end of volume two, including that mid credit scene. But regardless, this is who created Adam. And now, and of course, it's somebody created Adam, created by somebody who hates the Guardians. So that explains why Adam would initially be going after the Guardians. Will he eventually team up and become a member of the Guardians for a new lineup at the end of Volume 3? Based on the comic books, yeah, that's totally possible. I don't know how he connects to this, but I I do wonder, just to keep everything, well, not everything, but to, to have some things be continue to be more connected within the movie, I do wonder if we'll find out that there is a connection between the High Evolutionary and the Sovereign from Volume 2, because they were also obsessed with having like their per, you know perfectly you know genetically enhanced created whatever it would be for their people like they cared very much about that who taught them how to do all of those things is that maybe something that brings in a high evolutionary connection because I, I don't know that Adam Warlock is just going to be this completely separate from the plot character that's reaching back from volume two with no part of the the larger stakes or story of volume three. So I do think there will be, I don't know what it is, but I do think there will probably be some connection there. I do like Adam Warlock in this because, and I don't, it doesn't totally look of course, like comic book Adam Warlock. I'm kind of fine with that because I feel like this is totally Adam Warlock 1.0. And I, and I don't expect this Adam Warlock to be a one and done in volume three. I think this is a character who will evolve over time. And so the way he looks in this, I'm good with and I, I am interested to see because the trailer really doesn't hint at, other than what we already know historically from Volume 2, what exactly his place is in this story. So this is where I'm I'm probably the, the most excited about where, for, at least for me, of this trailer of where the bigger implications of the MCU. Because even though, the, and this, I talked about this at the beginning of the trailer uh, of the show, is that there are some snippets in this movie that kind of, kind of make you think like, where are they going to go after this? You know, already for me. And like, it's because I do feel like there's going to be some kind of finale with these specific, this specific team. I do think that Adam Warlock is going to be a pivotal factor in the, for um, the kind of the future of the MCU and in, in different aspects. I definitely feel like and without getting too in the weeds here, I definitely feel that like the cosmic universe is going to be its own kind of thing. And maybe like, you know, the, after the multiverse saga, we're going to get kind of like a separation of different things. And I think there, I've already talk, gone at length and I can't wait to talk about more in the future about, you know, what Wakanda forever and what those implications are. But I do think the like when you look at like the fantastic four and you look at where the cosmic universe is at this point with the guardians of the galaxy, Sean, it definitely feels like they're, you know, they're going to be shifting. And I feel like Fantastic Four could be very much like a kind of like a bridge between the two of those two kind of storylines. All that being said, um, Adam Warlock represents a lot of different aspects of the Marvel comic books. And there is that really big cosmic element. Now, he was you know, very tied to the Infinity Stones. And if you see here, he does have some kind of stone in his head, uh, like, you know, what we've seen before, like, with you know, in, in the comic books. And so there's obviously the infinity stones are, are, are done. I do. I don't know what exactly they're going to go with, 
but there's going to be some kind of cosmic threat that he's going to be tied to and he's going to be a key of. And I'm curious what that will mean and what that will represent. Because he very much represents like this kind of like a good noble person. Now there's a double different side of that, which I don't want to get into. But the thing is, it's really cool about Adam Warlock is there is like this cosmic entity that he is kind of like he represents and like he has to kind of stop. And with him comes a lot. And there's also connections to Pip the Troll. There's connections, you know, all, it even has connection to the comics and with Drax a little bit. Um, obviously with Pip at the same time when you go back to the original Infinity Gauntlet comic books. But he was part of the Infinity Watch. Uh, who's to say that's not going to be a play a part in the future in some way, whether or not it's uh, these gems or something else, right? And I do think that, let's be honest, I remember back in the day we had an old argument, Sean about Adam Warlock being in the original Guardians movie. And, you know, what's really, really cool is that I would not be shocked right now if he took on the team afterwards and he was him uh, representing the Guardians of the Galaxy or the Infinity Watch, you know, whatever you want, and represent this idea of, like, there's these threats that I have to, you know, I was made and, and created to to help and prevent happening. And maybe that could be the Heralds of Galactus. I don't know. Like, there's a lot of different ways you could go about it. Well, it's only natural um, that he and Nebula would start out fighting and then become teammates. Like, yeah, I, I mean, mean, yeah. That's comic books 101. I mean, like, yeah. I just, I, I definitely think that we're being set up for, whether it's another version of the Guardians or some other team that comes out of this that maybe some Guardians members join up with. Like, yeah, I, I do think, you know, Adam Warlock, we're, we're going to get a turn and, and you, when you kind of think about that character, like think about how we've talked before, not in this episode, but uh, yeah. the similarities between Rocket and Nebula. You talk about being pulled back, pulled apart, put back together over and over again. Yeah, that's Rocket. That's also Nebula. And we're talking about characters who, in, in many respects, were kind of made by others to serve purposes that that were not their own. Them being Rocket and Nebula. And even Adam was created by somebody else to do something that they couldn't do. And so when you talk about these characters making their own decisions about who they are and what they want and what they're going to do, that's been Rocket's journey in, in his own unique way. It's been Nebula's journey in her own unique way. And now here it is again with uh, with Adam Warlock. And so, yeah, I could totally see that being... I can I can already see in my head like the moment of realization where Adam Warlock turns and and yeah now he's teammates with some of these guys and and certainly leaping into the future with a lot of the the cosmic adventures that that we know of with that character in the comic book so um, I I sir, I'm, I'm just really interested to see exactly how he fits because he he's just he is just kind of lightly tossed into this trailer like oh yeah he's here too don't forget. And then, it, but it's it's totally not like what the trailer is focused on at all. And and maybe we'll get a little bit more as we get closer to the movie. But honestly, I don't really want any more. Like, just you've you've reminded me that he's here. Not that I forgot, but you know, thank you for the reminder. And I'll I'll see what you got for what you have for us when we actually see the movie. Um, the last little piece that that I have is the shot with. Peter Quill listening to the Zune with the headphones and, and everything. And, and hey, that's why we get a new Awesome Mix song, right? Because these are, we what we hear in the trailer is In the Meantime by Space Hog, a song that was released in 1994. All of that, of course, is post, you know, the Awesome Mix that, that Peter would have known uh, from what he had from his mom. So 
yeah, this is a, a a whole new, you know, whole new, more modern, updated set of tunes. Not that 90, 1994 is super modern anymore, um, but it, it does point to moving into different uh, musical eras. So as as it's time to face the music, this uh, this track did get me excited about just the possibilities of, of what else will be here. Because look, the awesome mix is. You talk about the soul of these movies, and yeah, as far as characters, I would agree. Rocket is is very much the the soul, you know, Groot the heart, Rocket the soul, and I, I think that, or maybe James Gunn would feel it's the opposite. I don't know, but um, music has also been a, a big part of that soul, and and I think a huge part of what has attracted audiences to these movies, and a, a huge part of what has allowed audiences to engage with these movies on the level that they have when they actually see them and it's not that soundtracks were were a brand new thing or needle drops were a brand new thing but where james gunn really elevated it was the needle drops actually really served story function and i think we've seen a lot of movies recently try to replicate it and it never works nearly as well because, again, it's more making choices after the fact as opposed to James Gunn, who makes choices as he's writing these movies of what that song is going to be. So that, that way he plays it on set. And so it helps inform the actors and their performance because they know the musical backdrop that's going to be there um, that sets the tone for the scene. And so that's why the music has been so uh, such an enriching part of the experience with Guardians of the Galaxy. It's because of the honesty and care with which James Gunn has approached it. So I, I'm not here to say I was the biggest fan of In the Meantime by Space Hog prior to watching this trailer, uh, but that's not really it. Tonally, like it fit with what was going on in this trailer, and it's not even so much about this specific song. It just gets me excited for that being part of the experience again with Volume Three because that it's just it's right on par with what we've had from the first two volumes. And I just I, I can't I can't wait for that. I, I can't wait for all of this movie. This obviously I'm excited based on everything that I've seen from the Guardians historically in the, in the MCU, everything that James Gunn and the cast and crew and everybody have brought to it over the years. But now in a more specific way for this specific movie and, and what they've shown me, I think this one is going to be special. I think both Quantum Mania and Volume Three are going to be special in, in very different ways. I am, as we're starting to close out 2022, man, 2023, I think is going to be absolutely loaded in the yeah. MCU, especially these first two movies of the year. Yeah, there's, there's so much going on and, you know, we're obviously talking more about Quantumania in, in the post uh, credits, you know, Patreon scene, which you guys haven't, you know, if you got this far in the podcast, go, go sign up for that. Lots of good stuff that we, we go. Patreon.com slash Sean yeah. Gerber or on Apple podcast search for fan show plus or the MCU fan show channel. Yeah. We don't skip out on those things, guys. I'm not kidding you. We we give you a full-on show on that one. It's not, it's not like we give you 10 minutes. We give you a full-on other episodes, and we break things down even further on some things. So it's it's crazy. Um, Now, all that being said, the music aspect, and being a, someone, a musician myself and as being, you know, I used to play as way more. I don't play anymore. But um, being in bands, you know, I've talked about James Gunn and I could sit down and probably talk about music because a lot of the music he would puts in things are a lot of things that either I have liked or know very well or whatever, very familiar with and kind of know why he made, you know, do it. He's got a, obviously a lot of, uh, you know, underground music, uh, you know, love. He also loves pop music like me. So I feel that's where we connect a lot because I can appreciate both pop and underground avant-garde music. 
um, you know, or RT farty, but you would, some people would say, not you, Sean, but other people. Um, but, uh, you know, the thing I like about James Gunn is that I would, you know, but you know, not as an insult. I'm just a big fan of the phrase RT farty. Me, me too. I actually do. I love saying it to myself. Um, but the thing about, about the music drops is that uh, at volume two didn't hit me as well as, as much as the first, the first one really hit where, cause I, I love making mixes and I love, I, I do it every year for my wife for Valentine's day. Um, it's, it's something I've done for her since we've been dating and now married. So it's been almost 20 years total. I've been doing that. And so I'm always finding, you know, and digging things out of, you know, and it's it, so it, I just love, and I've, even before that, I've loved pe- making people mixes. It's just always been a thing for me. So when he did volume one, you know, and it did, and did the awesome mix, uh, it's, it definitely resonated with me for those who are lost, who have made mixed tapes, mixed CDs, whatever. And I love that it was all over the place. And I, and I love the fact that with the zoom was an avenue to a very, one of my favorite aspects of the movie, I would say volume two, um, was giving us, um, that him, the, the freedom to use, use different songs now out of the seventies. Uh, and that's really cool. And I think that the space Hawk thing is so funny because I, 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 I recognized the song immediately. I went, Oh my God, this song, I haven't heard the song in like 30 years, man, or whatever. It's been forever. And I, but it's what I, what I also love about what, what trailers have done is the orchestration around the original song. Cause that ain't part of the original song. It was that original song. It's just a guitar. just a, you know, it's just a guy with voice and it's fine. It's a cute, it's a, it's a cool, cute little pop song, you know, but it's, uh, the, the, the other orchestration and, and all the stuff they put around it makes it way better to be quite honest and listening to it. I'm like, man, I forgot how that's a, that's a catchy little song. Um, so yeah, it was cool to hear that. Cause I, I, back in the day I used to listen to the radio a lot and listen to radio anymore. Um, and that, you know, 107.7, the end Seattle, Washington, if you guys know what that is, you, you guys are G's. And, uh, they used to, you know, they were, they were the cutting edge of a lot of those songs that were being played like that, like the space hog and, you know, and Harvey danger and those bands and, and whatnot. And so it, hearing that, you know, it makes me remember like soul coffee and all these bands and, it's just cool to kind of remember that, you know, there, so I think the mix this time around, Sean, is going to be all over the place. And if you listen to like the the music that he played for um, Suicide Squad, it was all over the place. But it was more those were more needle drops, I would say, than opposed mm. to being kind of the root of the of the movie and kind of emphasizing the mood of the movie that I think that the Guardians mu- music does. So I'm, I'm actually really like you. I'm really excited to see what he does because now he has no. He really has no limitations up to like maybe 2000 ish, 2003, maybe four. So he's got a lot of freedom to put whatever he wants in there. And I'm very interested in what he does. Me too. I think it's going to be perhaps the the widest range. I mean, certainly has the the lar- the broadest just available selection, of course, with so many more years of music that he can add into it. And that's not to say that, you know, that Zune that Yandu got that it couldn't have been loaded with. 70 songs, 80 songs, like all that can still be there, but then even more. And we already see some of that with in the meantime. So yeah, I'm so excited for Awesome Mix Volume 3 to go along with Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. I'm just over the moon with this first trailer. I I think it it looks every, and I also love just while we end the podcast, the end of the trailer, right? Like it, it bookends it. So you get all the heavy emotional stuff, but then it goes back to that, that comfort zone with guardians of the galaxy. Oh, here's the, the silly humor with Drax. Like 
going to kill everyone, kill one guy, one stupid guy who no one loves. And Peter, like, now you just make it sad. Like, that was a funny, nice, funny way to end the trailer, which started off with some funny, absurd stuff and then just got really heavy uh, emotionally. And that's Guardians of the Galaxy. It's all of those competing emotions and vibes that somehow harmonize in these really beautiful ways. And, and that's just the artistry of, of James Gunn and, and this team over the years. And, and now we see him getting ready to to do it again like never before in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. So love this trailer. Cannot wait to just enjoy, continue enjoying the journey to this movie. And I think with the idea that this probably being the last time James Gunn will direct a movie for the MCU, at least in the foreseeable future, all the more reason to just kind of savor the experience and the journey to this movie. Because in its own way, it is the end of an era within the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which has just made it that much uh, easier and, and more fulfilling to enjoy the holiday special last week and continue enjoying it, especially throughout this holiday season and then leading into Volume 3. And and as we said, I mean, we were just brainstorming as we were recording on exactly what we'll do in the journey to uh, Volume 3, but certainly we will go down memory lane uh, for the Guardians and their time in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, especially those first two volumes as directed by James Gunn, written by him as well, co-written the first one by uh, Nicole Perlman. But that is uh, where we are going to wrap up this episode of MCU Fan Show. Thank you, of course, for listening all the way until the end. Look at us getting an hour and a half out of, what, a couple minutes worth of a trailer. Hopefully you found the conversation interesting enough to stay all the way until the end. We will talk about Quantumania. We will talk about the... Oscar prospects, the four-year consideration campaign for Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. That's going to be over on Fanshow Plus, which, as I said, you can find at patreon.com slash Sean Gerber or by searching Fanshow Plus or the MCU Fanshow channel on Apple Podcasts. Make sure you are following us in those other places you can. We are at MCU Fanshow on Instagram and Twitter. Paul, where can these lovely people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Herman22 with two N's, a.k.a. P-Thug. Please go follow my channel, the YouTube channel, The Comic Binge. Uh, this Tuesday, we have a fun episode planned where we, we are going to be giving you, for who those who need comic book Christmas gift ideas, uh, Chris and I will be breaking down and giving you everybody uh, ideas for what to, you, guys, you guys can buy. You're the comic book lover in your life, whether they are new comic book readers or old time been around forever comic book readers either way we're going to give you all kinds of options for for you guys to go ahead and donate gift id or whatever for comic book fans everywhere so check out that and also the saga continues podcast as well and you can follow me on twitter and instagram at mr sean gerber so for paul i'm sean thanks for listening we'll see you next time <laughs>